week's Herb Digest podcast. I'm William Law, editor of the Digest. My guest is Cinzia Bianco, a visiting fellow at the European Council for Foreign Relations. Her most recent publication is A Gulf Apart, How Europe Can Gain Influence with the Gulf Cooperation Council. And it's available on the European Council for Foreign Relations website at ecfr.eu forward slash publications. Our conversation today focuses on Oman, a new sultan, and new challenges. Cinzia, welcome to uh, Arab Digest podcast. Thank you. First of all, can I ask you for a thumbnail sketch of Sultan uh, Haitham bin Tariq? Yeah, so um, Sultan Haitham bin Tariq is uh, a very interesting choice as a successor of Sultan Qaboos of Oman. Um, because he has a very varied profile. He has a long experience in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs uh, to the very high senior positions, but also he has been involved, much involved in into business, including with uh, a couple of unfortunate circumstances around uh, uh, failed business ventures, which also um, triggered a bailout from the state. And that wasn't very uh, popular, as you can imagine. And finally, he uh, was Minister of Culture and Heritage for a long time and also at the head of the Oman 2040 vision uh, program. So he was the head of the the committee uh, working on the vision and therefore he is very much involved into all issues, socioeconomic and diversification related into the Sultanate. Was his uh, selection a surprise uh, with Omanis and and with the... uh elite around uh, the uh, the sultan kabus not necessarily uh, because he was one of the three uh, most likely candidates to succeed sultan kabus so there was a lot of uh, uh, talks uh, around him being selected as the successor and he is uh, relatively well known to the the public Interestingly, the other two candidates, which are also um, cousins of uh, Sultan Qaboos, had the military background, whereas he didn't. So that's very, um, I think, interesting, especially to the eyes of the population and the society. Now, Sultan Qaboos was an extraordinary figure, a man who guided a small state in a challenging neighborhood very astutely for, what, nearly 50 years Big shoes to fill. Is Sultan Haitham up to the task? I would say that that's the million dollar question in the sense that um, he has a, a diverse background and he has been involved in activities of the state for decades. But uh, I mean, that's not the same as Sultan Qaboos and the kind of uh, influence uh, and sentiments that he elicited in the population. Um, He also lacks a history of engagement with, for instance, tribal groups um, and other more remote groups in in the area. Um, uh, Not many would remember that Sultan Qaboos used in the very first years of his rule to just go around the country and camp out and meet the people everywhere in in the the 
sultanate, just to establish this personal connection with uh, uh, the population. So there's, there's definitely uh, a gap there in the perception of Sultan Qaboos as the father of the nation and Sultan Haitham as the first ruler after that and a more sophisticated figure that is gravitates more happily around elite groups, be them political or uh, business elite. Let me ask you uh, about what was Sultan Qaboos's signal accomplishment, which was keeping Oman as an independent voice in the region. What sort of challenges is Haitham facing in maintaining that particular legacy? I would say those are formidable challenges. Um, also for Sultan Qaboos in the in the final years of his uh, rule, and of course um, he was very very ill and not as involved as he had been in the past. But also for him and the people immediately around him, maintaining this independence had become uh, very difficult. Uh, not only because the situation around was escalating and tensions in the region were are still very, very high, but also because at the same time, Oman itself was is developing and uh, a formidable vulnerability inside its own borders, which is mostly a socioeconomic vulnerability, but then it also can translate uh, rather quickly to more um, intrinsically political challenges. So as Oman was becoming a little bit more vulnerable uh, domestically, that also undermines its ability to uh, maintain independent positions uh, externally, especially as other regional powers were becoming more and more assertive and basically trying to push Oman to uh, take sides in different matters. Yes, and of course the two big players in the neighborhood are Mohammed bin Zayed, the Crown Prince of Abu Dhabi, and uh, and Mohammed bin Salman, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, what kind of pressures is Haitham facing from those two players? Those are indeed uh, two very challenging players, very assertive, and also uh, have the tendency of uh, basically trying to draw Oman towards their own orbit, and not necessarily in, in the same orbit. So. Uh, that's also uh, an, an interesting position for Oman being in the middle of these two uh, allies who are definitely allies, but at, in some uh, instances and on some dossiers, try to drag Muscat in different directions. Um, so historically, and, uh, and even more so in the past 10 years since the Arab Spring, Oman has had um, specific tensions vis-a-vis uh, uh, -vis and grievances vis-a-vis -vis, uh, the UAE and Mohammed bin Zayed in particular. Um, several Omanis think that Mohammed bin Zayed was personally involved or uh, gave input into uh, an Emirati strategy to try and destabilize Oman, taking advantage of relatively genuine protests uh, during the Arab Spring, especially in the north of the country. And uh, there have been uh, several stories in Omani media that attributed to the UAE uh, intentions uh, and uh, um, operations running spy rings within the Sultanate to, again, try and destabilize uh, the country from within. I mean, uh, this, the fact that these ideas have filtered to the public discourse, um, I would argue that tells us that also at leadership level, things have been uneasy. So things seem to be different under Sultan Haitham, 
because uh, Sultan Haitham has personal relations with the business communities, not only in Oman, but those that operate across the borders. And he has developed uh, uh, relations as with at the, at the elite level with the Emirati counterparts before becoming Sultan, specifically in Dubai. Uh, and on the other side, uh, with uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, I mean, um, the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman is uh, very, very distant from the idea, uh, the ideal um, ruler that uh, f- should uh, lead Saudi Arabia from the point of view of the Omani uh, orthodoxy on what a leader should, how a leader should operate. Mohammed bin Salman is exceptionally young, but also in some instances has been very reckless, not at all conservative, not at all reflective. And But, but of the two, MBZ and MBS, who poses the potentially the greater threat to, uh, to Oman? On the basis of an objective assessment, I, I would say that still Mohammed bin Zayed uh, can pose a bigger threat than Mohammed bin Salman could for the simple reason that Mohammed bin Salman is very much involved into a number of different issues and dossiers, both, both domestically and regionally. And uh, the ambitions that uh, uh, he has basically dictate that he should he wouldn't be well advised to open another front whereas for Mohammed bin Zayed I mean the hostility uh, with some of the people in the Omani decision making circles are more evident can we talk about the idea that Saudi Arabia could perhaps be was considered to be a kind of a balance against uh, the pressures from MBZ before Sultan Qaboos passed away yeah, so uh, before Sultan Qaboos passed away in the final years of his ruling, um, there was this idea uh, uh, gravitating around different uh, actors in Muscat that uh, Oman should consider strengthening its own alliance with Saudi Arabia to counterbalance what uh, uh, some perceived as uh, negative intentions uh, from Abu Dhabi and the UAE. So there were a couple of baby steps in that direction, including stepped up conversations about Yemen, for instance, and about some border issues and even about potentially some economic cooperation related to Vision 2030 in Saudi Arabia and Vision 2040 in Oman. Uh, But uh, the sense is that these ongoing um, discussions came to a halt with Sultan Haitham. The sense is, again, that uh, these were just uh, uh, hypotheses, uh, but then they didn't really materialize and whatever baby steps were taken were halted just because the relations between uh, Sultan Haitham and Saudi leadership seem more uh, difficult uh, than uh, than they ought to be. Perhaps this is just because uh, these are very new dynamics, but I would argue that it goes back to the fact that uh, from a Nomani point of view, especially in the orthodoxy of policymaking, uh, the rulers of Saudi Arabia, in particular the the young princes, uh, uh, first and foremost Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, just speak a different language in, in how they manage power and how they manage their regional relations than the Omanis would. Interesting. It's about personalities, isn't it? It's it's a lot also about personalities and how they do or don't um, get along and how they they see 
perhaps more conservatively or less conservatively and more assertively uh, the role of their own power into a volatile region. Now, I've not mentioned it yet, and I must, with COVID-19, what is the current state? What are the challenges and how is uh, the new sultan uh, managing them? COVID-19 um, is, presents very, very big challenges uh, to Muscat and uh, the new sultan. Um, I mean, for Oman, the, the health uh, system is relatively uh, okay in managing the numbers and the dimension of the pandemic. So that's not a major concern, but uh, there are major uh, economic concerns uh, related uh, not only to the impact of the lockdown that was, of course, necessary and implemented as in uh, most other uh, countries in the world to contain the pandemic, but also to the related oil prices war and the crash, spectacular crash of oil prices in general, because um, if uh, we accept the assumption, which is uh, um, factually uh, uh, evident, that COVID-19 uh, worsened the collapse of energy demands uh, around the world, starting with China, of course, then we also can see how the oil prices war was at perhaps a, a direct um, uh, reaction to this uh, um, pandemic. But then it worsened. Uh, the already uh, collapsing uh, um, oil market and uh, spurred such instability that for Oman uh, goes to add to structural financial uh, deficiencies and the dire situation of the state budget in general, which is uh, highly, highly dependent on energy revenues such as the other GCC countries, but does have less uh, energy um, uh, assets and also less financial assets to basically cushion some of these uh, uh, difficult, difficult times. So it's a perfect storm, uh, financially speaking, for Oman. Yes, it's interesting, isn't it? Because if you look at the other country, GCC country, that's really in, in, in tough economic straits is Bahrain. And Bahrain is receiving financial support from the Emiratis from the Saudis to keep uh, them afloat. And, and you're quite right. I mean, the oil price has crashed. Uh, it's about $20 a barrel the last time I looked uh, to break even. Oman needs uh, close to $90 a barrel. Do you think there is a risk and a threat that, uh, that they would be forced to give up their independence if the economy continues to go in the direction it appears to be headed? What I think is that uh, financial assistance always comes with political strings attached. Um, so for Oman, I would say that the choices are two, basically, either to uh, try and engage with the likes of the International Monetary Fund, and they also have uh, strings attached when they disperse financial assistance in terms of uh, structural reform that could be destabilizing uh, from a political point of view, uh, as, as perceived in Muscat especially, or the second choice would be to uh, reach out to uh, regional players, uh, the likes of Saudi Arabia and the UAE. And of course, there would be political strings attached to that assistance as well. It's a tough neighborhood right now, particularly we've got the various conflicts, the war in Yemen, uh, there's of course war in Libya, there's Iran, there's the GCC feud. And under Sultan Qaboos, uh, Oman was able to play... Uh, 
didn't allow itself to get pulled into some of these conflicts, but also was able to play something of an honest broker, a very difficult thing to achieve. Again, do you think this is something that Haitham will be able to hang on to? This, the intention of the new sultan is definitely to uh, uh, operate in continuity with Sultan Qaboussi in regional politics, which means also try to play the role of a honest broker, a facilitator in one of in in all of these very uh, complex uh, uh, situations and very heated conflicts. Um, we know that already Sultan Haitham has been involved and continued the involvement of Oman into mediating talks between Saudi Arabia and the Houthis, um, the, Ye- the Yemen rebels. But um, we also know that there have been a number of roadblockers in that direction. I wouldn't say that necessarily these are related to the new Sultan, uh, but because they existed already before. Uh, but these are uh, concrete examples of how difficult, more difficult it has become. And it would likely continue to be for Oman to be um, a facilitator in these uh, um, heated situations, especially given that um, Sultan Haitham still needs much more time to try and achieve the same sort of weight uh, into the uh, international relations that Sultan Qaboos had being the ruler for almost 50 years and being a very, very senior figure in the entire region, not only Oman. And and highly respected too. So that respect will have to be earned. You're suggesting. Yes, absolutely. Um. So Sultan Haitham would uh, needs more time to earn the same high respect that uh, Sultan Qaboos uh, uh, elicited in the entire region. Finally, uh, Chinsia, how do you think international actors such as Europe, the UK, and and I suppose the US uh, view Sultan Haitham? Under him, does Oman remain an admittedly minor player, but but a still useful regional ally? What what are the views? So this change, there have been a number of changes in how international uh, players uh, perceive and interact with Oman, and these, I would argue, have uh, accelerated uh, uh, and and uh, put uh, more pressures on. Uh, how Oman uh, operates in the uh, neighborhood and in the region. A very significant change has been on uh, U.S.-Oman relations. I mean, under the administration of Barack Obama, Oman's ability to play this facilitating role in regional politics was highly appreciated and, of course, deployed to achieve the Iran nuclear deal. Um, And then under President Trump, with the U.S. withdrawing from the Iran nuclear deal um, and coming that much closer to the UAE and Saudi Arabia, the attitude towards Oman also changed and became much colder. Um, we had we have seen a manifestation of that in the delay that the U.S. had in uh, uh, going to bring the condolences to Muscat to the new Sultan Sultan Haitham uh, for the death of Sultan Qaboos. Um, and then these, the weakening of this relationship is is viewed with uh, with considerable alarm in Muscat. At the same time, uh, the uk uh, Oman uh, bond uh, remains very strong, uh, but there is in, in Oman, there are a number of questions. So what would happen, what will happen when the UK uh, f- fully 
exits the European Union? Will that put them in a weaker position vis-a-vis other uh, wealthier countries such as Saudi Arabia uh, and the UAE and others? Will that, uh, for instance, lower the bar of attention in London towards uh, affairs, uh, international affairs and affairs in, uh, in the Gulf specifically? So there are a number of questions, which means that Oman has reached out uh, more uh, uh, intensely to the European Union and European countries individually. And that there they have found a remarkable convergence of ideas and perceptions about regional security in, in the Gulf. Of course, uh, there is still much road uh, ahead to forge uh, stronger relations, but I would argue that there is uh, a realization in Europe that it's in their interest to uh, preserve Omani resilience vis-a-vis the powerful fragmentation and polarization forces uh, around the country in the region. And I've argued that that is also uh, in the interest of the the UK and together the UK and EU member states will definitely have enough leverage and clout to basically uh, play a game-changing role in that context. And in that regard, preserving this uh, honest broker role uh, that Oman has and presumably strengthening quite significantly uh, Sultan Haitham. Yes, um, that is uh, that that would go hand in hand, because the the point is that respecting um, the the political stability of uh, of Oman uh, is is important to enforcing uh, and strengthening their own resilience vis-a-vis regional pulse. Chenzia, thank you very much. Thank you very much. My guest today was Chenzia Bianco a visiting fellow at the European Council for Foreign Relations. Her most recent publication is A Gulf Apart, How Europe Can Gain Influence with the Gulf Cooperation Council. And it's available on the European Council for Foreign Relations website at ecfr.eu forward slash publications. We welcome your comments. If you're not already a member and you want to join the club, you can find out how by going to arabdigest.org. I'm William Law, editor of the Arab Digest. Essential reading from independent sources.